0: and laughs theater of the mind the best love programs from radio's golden age only on zoomer radio now here is your master storyteller frank proctor well thank you and welcome to the show all this week i'm featuring shows that have a christmas theme And tonight's Lone Ranger episode is no exception. It was first aired in 1948, and it's entitled Christmas for Sandy.
1: pot of dust and a hearty high of silver, The Lone Ranger. before midnight, in spite of the snow that fell in large drifting flakes, an unusual brightness was reflected by the shimmering whiteness of the trail. As the Lone Ranger with his 14-year-old nephew, Dan Reed, and with his Indian companion, Tonto, rode leisurely along toward the town of Silverton. You haven't said much, Dan. What's on your
4: mind?
5: Well, as a matter of fact, sir, I'm wondering why we're riding to Silverton so late and with the snow and all.
4: Well, um, maybe you tell Dan everything now. so him enjoy a visit we make tonight Kimasabi. To all right, Tonto. I think Dan will learn a lesson from what's happened. What's more, I think he'll appreciate what's to come.
5: Golly, I- I'd like to hear about it, sir.
4: I guess you've heard of Mr. Upton who came to Silverton about eight months ago and bought the silver mining company there?
5: Oh, yes, sir. He has a boy about my age named Donald. I met Donald Upton several times at the general store in town.
4: Well, Mr. Upton has an office in town, and Walt Miller was manager of the mining headquarters outside of Silverton. Upton rarely went to the mine and left things out there in Miller's hands. About three weeks ago, Walt Miller entered Mr. Upton's office. In. Good morning, Walt. I suppose you've come for the payroll. That's right, Mr. Upton. Bill, my clerk here, brought the money over from the bank a while ago. I'll count it up for you shortly and lock it in the bank for you to take out to the cashier at the mine. By the way, how is old Sheldon getting along? Well, sir, as a matter of fact, Sheldon's resigned and took a job over at Pecos. Sheldon resigned? Yes, sir. But I put a new man on last week. Nice chap that Sheldon knew in Stockton. He's a bank teller there. Came there about six months ago. Oh, I see. Why did he want to leave the bank? He sure had reason enough. His job pays a lot more for one thing, and he needs money bad. Has a boy about eight years old, and a wife who's an invalid. Seems a skittish horse threw her a couple of months ago, and she hasn't been able to walk since. Oh, that's too bad. Sure is. Dawson hopes to get enough money someday to pay a good surgeon to examine her and maybe do something for her. Dawson, did you say? Yes, sir. That's his name, Paul Dawson. Live in that rather shabby little house at the east end of town. Old Dawson, huh? And he went to Stockton about six months ago? Yes, sir. Came from St. Louis, I understand. Hmm, I see. So he's our new cashier out at the mine, huh? Yes, sir. I suppose you'll follow the usual routine with uh, Dawson as you have with Sheldon? Carry the lock bag containing the payroll to him and have him open it with the key I left out there? That's right. You have the only other key to lock it with. As long as you handle the money here and he's responsible for it out there, I'd rather not have a key to the bag. Of course. Well, I'll get the money from the safe. I hope that fellow's trustworthy, since he's so badly in need of cash. Oh, I'm sure he is, Mr. Upton. Well, here's the cash. Put the bag on my desk and open it up. All right. There it is. Cash is tied up as usual in bundles of $500 each. Here are 11 bundles to make the necessary 5500 for the payroll. I'll put them in. There's one bundle. Two, three,
6: four.
4: Upton slowly counted the bundles of cash as he put them in a small black bag. Under the watchful eyes of Walt Miller, finally all 11 bundles were in the bag. Then Mr. Upton closed the bag and reached into his pocket for the key to Miller. By the way, Walt, uh, step into the back office and tell Bill I want him to ride out to the mine with you. I've heard of outlaws in the vicinity. Gosh, in that case, I'd be glad to have him go. I'll get him. glad Bill's coming with me. Wouldn't like to get robbed on the way.
2: Golly,
7: did outlaws hold them up on the way?
4: Oh, then. They ride at the mine headquarters safely. Turn the bag over to the cashier, Paul Dawson. Bill went back to town and Walt left Paul alone in the headquarters office to make up the payroll. A little later, Walt returned to the mining office. Uh, Almost knocked you down, Paul. I was
5: just coming out to call you, Mr. Miller. The payroll's short. Short? Or can't be. Come and see for yourself. Look there. Ten bundles when there should be eleven. This $500 short... Mr. Upton must have made a mistake. Now hold on, Dawson. He didn't make any mistake. I saw him put 11 bundles in that bag. You're making the mistake if you think you can pull a fast but, one like that. But i tell you, when I unlocked the bag and took out the money, only 10 were in it. Bill rode with me all the way, and that bag was locked. Only you and the boss have keys to it. And I know he put in 11. You go get your hat. We're
4: going in to talk to the sheriff right now. No. I'm willing to bet... No, I won't go with you.
5: You can't blame me for taking the money.
4: I'm leaving here now. Oh, no, you're not. Get out of my
5: way. I gotta get away quick. I won't let him send me to prison.
4: I won't. Oh, Paul Dawson ran from the mining office and rode off into the hill. Golly. Of course, the sheriff and the posse hunted for him. They managed to cover his tracks and get away.
5: Gosh. What about his invalid wife and his little boy?
4: That was the sad part of it. Dawson's wife and his boy, Sandy, were left destitute. Hunter and I didn't know about them at the time. We would have helped. that right? For two weeks, nothing was heard of Dawson. During that time, the widow Downs, a neighbor who had little herself, did what she could for Sandy and his mother. Well, one day, about a week ago, Mrs. Downs took some soup and carried it over to Dawson's shabby little house.
8: Good morning, Sandy. I brought a bit of soup for you and your mother. Oh, hello, Mrs. Downs. Mom will be awful glad to get some soup. I'm sure she will. I'll bring it in. It's warm and ready to sip, so I'll just take it into the other room for it. Come along, Sandy. Who is it, Sandy? Oh, Mrs. Downs. How nice of you to come over. There's a bit of soup that'll warm you up, my dear. I, I'd rather Sandy had it, if you don't mind. Oh, I... Uh... I'm
6: not very hungry, Mama. You take it.
8: Now, now, there's enough for both. Sandy, lad, bring another bowl like a good boy.
6: Charlie, yes.
8: (laughs) Bless his heart. Another week and Christmas will be here, Mrs. Downs. It isn't fair for a young child to face such a bare, drab Christmas as Sandy will have to go through. I know Paul didn't steal that money. I I thought that somehow he'd get to us. But he...
6: Mrs. Downs,
8: you want to ask me something?
6: Yes. Could could you take Sandy to,
8: to the general store? They'll they'll have a bit of tinsel or other trimming hanging about for him to see. Would you mind? Gosh! I'd like to go. Oh, of course I'll take him. We'll go there right now. And while we're gone, Mrs. Dawson, you can take your soup. Have your soup first, Sandy. Then we'll walk down to the general store.
4: Oh, the kindly Mrs. Downs took Sandy Weather to the store so he could see the miggered trimmings the storekeeper put up for the holidays.
3: Oh, gosh.
4: Like any small boy of eight, he forgot his troubles when they got there and enjoyed the holiday atmosphere. But the event was spoiled for Sandy when Donald Upton, a few years older than he, entered the store and came over to speak to Sandy.
8: Hello. You're that Dawson kid, aren't you? Uh-huh. Uh huh. I bet you're not going to have a Christmas tree. My father's getting a big one with lots of trimmings too.
6: Maybe I'll have one too.
8: <laughs> I
6: suppose you think
8: Santa Claus will bring you one, is that it?
6: My mother says that the real Santa Claus is the spirit of the Christ Child that makes people want to give gifts because Christmas is His birthday. And if anyone, and if everyone does right and wishes hard enough, the wishes might come true at Christmas. So there. Oh. You know what I think. See here, Donald Upton. You've
8: said enough. Sandy lad, there's a little pine in my yard, and we'll cut that down for a Christmas tree for you.
5: Dolly,
4: I feel sorry for little Sandy. Todd and I did, too, when we heard about it later. Isn't that right? Well, a few days ago, Todd and I, who'd been hunting for Paul Dawson without success, had a bit of luck. We rode near Eagle Canyon, and Tahoe noticed a thin column of smoke rising from back up the canyon. We rode up there and saw a deserted prospector's cabin. Leaving our horses, we approached cautiously on foot and sneaked open the door. We saw a man asleep on a cot against the far wall. There, man sleeping on a cot back yonder,
3: me. Yes.
4: He must be worn out with fatigue not to have heard us come in. Let's look. that looked like Dawson. You see him once at mine. Hmm. Get your gun handy. I'll waken him. Dawson. Uh, I, Dawson, wake up. Uh, 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 Outlaws. You're covered. No go for your gun. I, I don't have a gun. This is your cabin. Austin, we've been hunting for you to take you to the sheriff for the mine office robbery. I
5: didn't steal that money. I I look Would I be here now like this if I had? What do you mean? I, I haven't eaten for two days. I lost my horse. If I'd stolen money when I try to live on scraps, berries. Anything I could find like I've done. I, uh, all right. Take me back. I can't stand it any longer. I worry about my wife and son. It's driving me crazy. Crazy, I
4: Here, sit down, Dawson. Take it easy. (laughs) That money. I could only figure it out
5: somehow. Only Upton and I had keys to the bank. But he's rich. Why would he want to take it? He'd know I'd get the blame. Does Upton know you, Paul? Not that I know of. I've never even seen the man. The only Epton I knew was back in St. Louis. He was a doctor, a well-to-do surgeon. He had reason to hate me, but he left St. Louis. I haven't heard of him since. I... Ah.
4: No, 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 no. This couldn't be the same one. And anyway, he didn't even know I was around. Did that doctor you speak of have reason to leave St. Louis? Yes. Very good reason. To avoid arrest. Did he have any family? A wife and son, perhaps?
3: Yes.
5: Yes, he did. Why?
4: Hmm. Paul, after you answer a few more questions, I think I will take you back to town to prove that you didn't steal that money after all.
1: to continue our story. As the Lone Ranger with Toto and Dan Reed rode leisurely along the trail to Silverton in a light snowstorm, the masked man took time to tell Dan the story of Paul Dawson and his little family.
4: Well, Dan, as I've told you, we found Paul Dawson asleep in a deserted cabin and woke him up. His denial of guilt and the few things he told me about a doctor in St. Louis roused my curiosity. So I questioned him further. Both Tom and I were impressed with the way Dawson answered my question. Now tell me, Paul. What was it that Dr. Upton did that caused him to leave St. Louis? And what was your connection with the matter?
9: More
5: than eight months ago, my uncle was sheriff there. He's dead now. Anyway, he made me a deputy, though I worked part-time in a bank, too. Go on. The bank was held up. The two outlaws got away, but we got a look at him. And we knew one of them had been wounded by one of our bullets. I see. What then? My uncle was quite sick at the time, so I took a posse out after them. The next day, we caught them in their hideout some distance away. The wounded outlaw's shoulder had been treated by a doctor and properly bandaged, as we could readily tell. I understand. Mm-hmm. Go on. They both swore that the well-known surgeon, Dr. Upton, had fixed the wound. But that he demanded a thousand dollars of the stolen money for doing it promising that he'd send them out of town in his own carriage. That's not, not good. Anyway, I'd delayed getting out a warrant out for Upton's arrest for a while. The outlaw's story rang true, and someone had seen the doctor's carriage going out of town over the route they had taken. That's interesting. Finally, I went to Dr. Upton's house myself. But someone had tipped him off, and he'd left town. That was proof of guilt? No way. Let me finish. His wife and son, Donald, stayed on in the fine big house for a while. Then she quietly sold it to some Easterner. Just as quietly left St. Louis to join a doctor someplace. What then? The outlaws came up for trial. They were sentenced to hang. Just before the hang, they confessed that the doctor didn't know they were outlaws at all. And That he didn't demand the money they said he did.
4: Then why didn't he still
5: defend himself? Everyone was bitter against him at the time. I guess he felt he didn't have a chance. I'm in a position to know how he felt. Mm. That's right. I had no way of contacting him to let him know. Then when my uncle died three months ago, I brought my wife and son out to Stockton and took a job in the bank. A few weeks ago, I got the job at the mine
4: office. That's all there is to it. Hmm, I see. Then, still thinking that you might be after him, Dr. Upton would do what he could to prevent you from disclosing his identity. At least until after he could put you in such a position that no one would believe whatever you might have said against him.
5: You mean you really think Mr. Upton and Silverton
4: is Dr. Upton? Yes, Paul, I do think so. I intend to make sure. I'm going to take you to stay a short time with someone I know as your friend till I can have the charge against you cleared.
5: Gosh, mister, if you could do that,
4: well, Christmas is coming in a few days and I could go home. Yes, that's what I'm hoping, Paul. Come on, we'll take you back to town now.
7: Golly, did you get
5: things cleared up like you wanted to, sir?
4: I'm coming to that, Dan. How did I left Paul with Mrs. Downs? That night, night before last, I went to Upton's house. I waited until I knew he was sitting up alone, and I
3: went to the door.
4: To talk to you, Mr. Upton. What could an outlaw have to discuss with me? I'm not an outlaw. I came as a friend, and I'm certain you'd be very glad to hear what I came to say. Dr. Upton. Dr. Upton? But you don't. Know, I, I mean, you made a mistake. You just gave yourself away, Doctor. Now, do you care to listen to me, or shall I go elsewhere? No, no, come in, come in. I wonder if you came here to blackmail me. I haven't no. any such intentions. I did come here to get you to admit you framed young Dawson. Ridiculous. It's an open and shut case against him. You ought to know how it feels to be wrongly accused, doctor. Wrongly accused? You believe that I was- I know you were. Your name has been cleared back in St. Louis. What?
1: Are you sure of that?
4: Positive. All Dawson hoped to find you to tell you so. They know I'm not guilty. Oh, thank you. How do you know all this? You must have seen Paul Dawson recently. That's right, I have. I don't know what to say. You've done him a great wrong. It's up to you to do what you can to right that wrong. Yes, I did wrong, Dawson. I thought he was here to find me, to disclose the facts about me. But I can't admit in front of everyone that I withheld that money from the bag. No, I can't do that. I won't. You've just admitted it to me. It would be your word against mine. They'd take mine. Maybe. I understand the sheriff is out of town. Won't be back until the day after tomorrow, Doctor. It's no use arguing. The day after tomorrow is Christmas Eve. It would be a good day for you to have a talk with the sheriff and clear Dawson. I'll wait until then. I advise you to think it over carefully. Good night, Doctor.
5: Gosh. Did Dr. Upton go to
4: the sheriff? Yes, he did, Dan. And the charges against Paul Dawson were dropped. Mr. Upton explained that he had withheld the money. And I told Paul, you can imagine how he felt. Well, this is Christmas Eve. Just after dark, I took Mrs. Downs and Paul Dawson to Paul's house. When we reached the front porch, we found Dr. Upton waiting. Neither he nor Paul spoke a word. I whispered to them to follow me. Mrs. Downs had told me that Sandy's scraggly little pine tree was up in the front room. And that she and Sandy had trimmed it with bows made of bits of ribbon. Or little balls of cotton. I had mentally compared it with a big glittering tree I had seen at Upton's. We quietly opened the door to the darkened room. Sandy had bought a blanket and spread it close to the tree to sleep on. As we tiptoed in and stood just inside, we saw Sandy's figure kneeling near the tree. We listened.
6: My little Christmas tree is better than any of them. And thank you, Dad, for sending it to me. And please, God, let your spirit of Christmas make my mom well again. Don't bother about a present for me, except only send back my daddy. Donald Upton said, there wasn't any Santa Claus, but I know there is, because he's the spirit of the, of the Christ child that makes folks want to give. So please, see that I get what I asked for just now. Amen.
4: Sandy spoke his childish prayer. A moonbeam broke through the clouds and entered the window. It was like a small spotlight from the heavens, touching the little tree and sparkling in the ribbon bows. Then Paul spoke softly, brokenly. Sandy.
3: Sandy,
5: I've, I've come home. Daddy!
2: Oh, Daddy! My boy... No, I knew I'd
1: get my wish. Oh, oh, Sandy. That's <laughs> little that, that little
4: tree. It seemed to be touched with the whole spirit of Christmas.
8: And why not, Mr. Upton? A little touch of hope and love went into every little bow on its branches, each one made by Sandy's own hands. Sandy?
2: Who's out there? I'm
3: coming, Sandy.
8: Mama! Come on, everybody! Turn
5: up the lamp, son, so I, I can see who's with you. I'll turn it up, Dora.
2: Oh. Oh, Paul! Paul, you, you've come back to
5: us. Yes. And just stay, honey. Oh. Everything's all right now. I've been cleared. Oh.
4: Oh. But, but who? The masked man is a friend, and a good one. How do you do, Mrs. Dawson? What do you do? Paul, your other visitor? Oh, yes. You
5: know Mrs. Downs, this man... I am
4: Dr. Upton from St. Louis, Mrs. Dawson.
2: Dr. Upton? Why, I...
4: The past is forgotten, I hope. The future? Well, as I heard Sandy say, if one wishes hard enough, perhaps I can make you walk again.
6: I feel sure I can. Oh, golly, Mama. I got both things I asked for. What you said about the spirit of Christmas is true. I'll always believe in it, Mama, even when I'm grown up.
4: I hope you will, Sandy. I've just begun to believe. Later tonight, I want to bring my son and some others from town to this house. In this simple home, I've really found the spirit of Christmas. (laughs) That's the story, then. And there's Dawson's place just ahead. I ride close to the window and find out if Dr. Upton did return with the townsman he said he was bringing. Here we are. Close to the whole oh, perfect. Hold, 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 hold on. Easy. Steady, big fella. Yes, I can see them in there. Look, Dan. There's Dr. Upton holding Sam in his arms. See? Oh,
5: gosh. He sure looks happy. And he's singing with the others too.
4: I <laughs> mean, like here Christmas singing. I well, they,
7: they seem
5: so happy and you know, all, with the snow falling and the singing. I feel sort of different inside,
4: like they said they did. I like to believe, Dan, that the spirit of the Christ Child is the spirit of Christmas. For these people have found it among the humble surroundings here, just as the shepherds and the wise men found it in even more humble surroundings. A little stable in Bethlehem.
1: Feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated, created and produced by George W. Trendle, directed by Charles D. Livingston, and edited by Fran Stryker. The part of the Lone Ranger is played by Brace Beamer.
0: Stay tuned for The Red Skeleton Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to hear a Christmas story that was first heard on the Red Skelton Show in 1951.
7: When Santa Claus comes around your way, I hope that he will bring Norge appliance for your home, and then you two will sing. You won't know what you're missing if you don't see (laughs) Norge.
3: Transcribed from
10: Hollywood, Norge, a division of Borg Warner, manufacturers of America's most modern automatic and ringer washers, gas and electric ranges, water heaters, and home freezers. Originators and world's largest manufacturers of self-defrosting refrigerators, Norge presents the Red Skelton Radio Show. Red Skelton, David Rose, and his orchestra, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGee, and Jane Cuter will be me,
9: Rod O'Connor.
10: And now, the star of our program, the man with the station wagon physique and the convertible face, MGM's clown, Red Skelton.
7: Our characters in our show are fictional. Any similarity to
10: persons living would be better off dead. <laughs> From the skeleton scrapbook of satire, a story entitled, The Little Christmas Tree.
9: Well, we'd better get into the theater and get things ready for our Christmas show. Hey, look who's coming down the street. Oh yes, the star of our show, Junior. Yes, his mother's sure like she's had her hands full, doesn't she? <laughs> yes. Well, I'll go in and get the costumes in. Yeah, I'll go around and round up the actors.
6: Now, hurry, Junior. You're don't pull me like that. Now, wait a minute. You're the star of the Christmas pageant, and you don't want to be late. I don't want to be in it to begin with.
3: <laughs> that
7: stuff is sissy stuff. Like playing with girls and stuff like that. If it ever gets back to the skunk patrol, I'll be demoted from a stinker to a sniff. <laughs>
3: Really? You
6: should be proud to be in the show. Well, I'm not. I'm scared. What is there to be afraid of?
7: The audience, that's why who's afraid of. They sit out there with them big eyes staring at you. You never know if they've got apples or things they're going to throw at you or not. Well, I changed my mind, I'm not going to be in the play. Oh, yes, you are, young man. No, I'm not. You let me down, or I'm going to bang my head on the sidewalk.
6: You're wasting your time, Junior. We've been trying to pound something into your head for years.
7: <laughs> you still love me, don't you?
6: I'm telling you, you better stop acting like this. What? If Sandy hears about it, well, that's all. Well,
7: maybe he won't come this year. Maybe he's still stuck in the chimney. <laughs> I put a bear trap in there last year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Hey, I know what Pop bought you for Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know that big bottle of perfume?
6: That $60 bottle? Yet. Oh, no, he shouldn't have. He didn't. <laughs> door. Now, oh, yeah. careful, going up the steps. Okay. Hello, blubber boy.
10: Oh, there you are. We've been waiting for you. Yeah. Do you know your lines, Junior? I know them
7: frontwards and backwards. Good. But I'm
10: so scared they'll probably come out sideways.
3: <laughs> good
7: evening,
9: Lorraine and Junior. Well, here's your Christmas tree costume. Do those
3: oh. lights work? Uh,
9: yes, they do.
7: Oh, good. This is one Christmas I can get lit up before pop does.
3: <laughs>
10: These uh, wires don't have any shorts in them, do they? I have shorts on. He wouldn't want Junior to get electrocuted. Oh,
6: good heavens, no. He's wearing his good suit.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, shall
9: we get dressed, Junior? Now,
6: yeah, why did
7: I have to be a Christmas tree? Why couldn't I be a widow angel?
9: Oh, you dreamer,
3: you. <laughs>
7: there
9: you are. Mm-hmm. Now, see how it fits? Yeah. Right over your head.
7: Now, let's see, yeah. let's see how I look. Where's the mirror? Where's the mirror? Let me see. Let me see. Let I me mean, My legs are sticking out.
9: Well, they're supposed to. They're supposed to be the tree trunk. Oh, it's the first
10: time I ever saw a knot in tree trunk.
3: <laughs> now, Junior, you behave. Yes. Yeah.
10: You're on right after Jean Cuter does her number when the world was young. David Rose and the orchestra will play for her.
2: They call me Coquette and Mademoiselle And I think I like it, yes, quite well it's something to be the darling of all La grande pampa The belle of the ball There's no other place as gay as Paris There's no other person I'd rather be I love what I do and I love what I see But where is the schoolgirl that used to be me While oh, the apple trees Sunlit memories Where the hammocks swung On our backs we lie Looking at the sky Run for. Oh, le corps et les genoux blancs.
9: Christmas story. Our story begins in a forest where giant redwoods and tiny fir trees grow. This story is of a little Christmas tree who heard a voice in the whispering wind.
10: Each living thing is here to serve a purpose. Now you are growing in Mother Nature's storehouse. But soon man will come and take you away. Some will become houses, churches furniture. But regardless of how you may be used, remember it is my will that you serve well.
7: And one day two men did come into our peaceful little forest and they rode in on horseback. They were all tired and dirty, they were.
3: Whoa! Whoa! Oh, come on, oh!
9: you say
7: stop. That's why I didn't say stop. Are you okay? Yeah, help me get my head out of this gopher hole.
10: You got a gopher. I'm in this hole over here. Hey, why don't you get rid of that stupid horse? I can't. This is Silver's
7: brother, old stainless steel. Every year around this time, I get a uh, feeling like I'd like to give something away, but I ain't got nothing to give. Mm-hmm. I think I'll go over to the bank and get some money and give you half of it.
10: The bank is closed. I wasn't going to make out a withdrawal slip. <laughs> then I why don't you reform and take home an honest man's pay? I will. You show me where he hides and I'll take it home.
3: <laughs> One
10: thing I'm honest about, that's fighting. Well, how about that horse thief? I hear you fought. Uh, was that an honest duel? Well, sure. I even let him have the first shot. Then I stepped behind that big rock and plugged him. Well, I don't know about you, fella, but I'm reforming. There's too much stealing in the world. Yeah.
7: You hear about that honest election they had in Russia? Five guys voted against him. Services were an hour later.
3: <laughs> now look,
10: Dad. I Mother Nature's provided a way for us to earn our keep and not steal it. Are you going to local? No. I got that out of them television... <laughs> you going
3: look Look Forget this now.
10: It'll soon be Christmas. Yeah? Come on, let's chop down a lot of trees and go down and sell them to the city folks. Well, I don't know. Them things are awful big, and they? Well, we'll chop the little fir trees. Fir trees? Yeah.
7: Well, a lot they won't think of next. Imagine going out in your backyard and picking a dozen of oranges and a couple of mink coats.
3: <laughs> what do you say, did I?
7: Well, um... Uh, See, that one up there looks pretty good. Way up there. Sort of special-like, ain't it? Yeah.
10: Say, uh, ain't we got enough trees, did I? Nope. There's one more up there. That little special tree, that's the one I want. Look, we've been climbing for that tree for three hours, and I'm mighty hungry.
7: Yeah, what are you griping about? My hands
10: are frozen. I've been holding my pants up with my teeth.
7: That <laughs> ain't easy. Why? No
3: teeth. <laughs> hey,
7: forget about food. Uh, start thinking about women. Why'd well, rather think about food? Than women? Yeah. Boy, I hope I never get that hungry.
3: <laughs> hey, look, there's, well,
7: there's that little tree up there. Let, let's go get it and we'll call it a
10: day, huh? See, what's that black thing walking around under it? Bird. Looks like a bear. Well, make
7: friends with him. You know, my brother made friends with a bear once. does
10: not the bear like him?
7: Sure, he ain't all of them He must.
3: Have.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I'll fix that, bear. Give me that six-shooter there. I'll put him to way to rest, boy. <laughs> all right, I'll lay down. Give him a gun back, bear. <laughs> Boy, look that bear run!
10: Yeah. Boy, well, how you coming with that tree? I'm working like a little beaver. Take bigger (laughs) bite. Well, come on, let's go. We got to sell these trees.
7: And so, along with a lot of other little trees, we were loaded on flat cars on the railroad, and we were taken into the city. There we all stood, looking at the tall buildings, so different from the tall mountains in the stillness. The people by the thousands were walking through this man-made forest, arguing about the price. And the man who was selling the trees was pretty unhappy. He was. Well, <laughs> <laughs>
3: Billy. we wait
7: so long? If the music don't come, I go right ahead, know. <laughs> America's foremost conductor
3: <laughs>
7: Yes, sir, here I am Old Clem hopper The Christmas tree man They call me the Christmas tree man Because my head goes to a point Jesus ain't too good either And I've got a feeling that After the 25th it's going to get worse Amazing. Boy, business sure is bad My head's freezing Brr. My ears must have come untied <laughs> It's getting colder for the minute I just saw Frosty the snowman go inside to get warmed up
3: <laughs> <laughs> yoo Clam! So,
7: well now, four hogs don't run in, I'll faint Lover girl, how are you today?
3: My face is frozen blue.
7: Well, don't worry, it'll go back to its normal green again.
3: Oh. Yeah, well, it is
7: cold, ain't it, huh? Brrr. My goose pimples are working in two shifts. Step <laughs> over to the bonfire.
3: Here.
7: You <laughs> warmer?
6: Nope.
7: Well, maybe I should light the fire.
6: Hmm? <laughs> Haven't you lit
7: the fire? Well, no, I figured the logs would last longer this way.
6: <laughs> A book of matches. A what? A book of matches.
0: Have you read it?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: in fact, she didn't get
7: that.
3: Didn't. I did
7: care for it myself.
6: Oh, gee. Look at that handsome man in that Cadillac.
7: How do you know he's handsome? He ain't gotten out of the car yet.
6: Any man in a Cadillac is handsome.
7: <laughs> oh, that's right old punter. Howdy, howdy there. Would you like to buy a Christmas tree?
10: Well, that depends. Uh, what do you have in a real cheap trade? Termites. <laughs> <laughs> Termites. Yeah, what are you expecting, owls?
3: <laughs> uh, what do
10: you want to pay? Well, uh, what have you got for about two Two dollars.
3: Two oh. dollars? Mm-hmm. There's a
10: nice hairy broomstick over here. Like
3: no, no, no. I, I need a tree. Uh, no.
10: Let me look at something for two dollars. Well, it's a little high for a look, but you can afford it. Go ahead. Uh, if you've got anything cheaper than two dollars, I'll take it. Well, uh, well, um, uh, what do you have? I'll tell you, Sporty. Huh? <laughs>
7: Here's a package of seeds, but I don't think they'll stop my footprint.
3: <laughs>
10: Boy, you sure got some scrawny stuff around here? That's my girl you're looking at.
3: Yeah, say,
10: she's really something. Yeah, I've heard that before, but what?
6: <laughs> Maybe I can help you kick out a tree, Mr. O'Connor.! <laughs> <laughs>
0: I get
10: sickening about
3: this.
7: Hey,
3: here's
0: a
7: brown tree over here. I'll let you have for a dollar.
10: A brown tree? Yeah. I've never heard of that before. Is it something new? No, no, it's very old. old. (laughs)
3: Here's
7: one already decorated. How about that one?
10: That's an orange tree.
7: It is. Well, I thought those light bulbs were a little juicy.
10: This is a nice little tree. How much? Oh, uh, uh, this is a ten dollars. Ten dollars. I'll take it. All right. Well, that's fine. Now, if you need any more, just let me know. I'm open
7: the year around, you know. And so I was bought, and it was taken to a beautiful living room. And everybody seemed so happy, and there was Christmas easy
2: playing.
8: It's Christmas Eve, and we're making a last-minute check of our list to be sure we haven't forgotten anyone. We pause for a second and offer a prayer for our neighbors.
6: We wish all of them a Merry Christmas. The children have hung up their stockings that have been shooed off to bed. In the
8: stillness of the room stands a young fir tree, the tree of the Christ child. The stillness changes our thoughts. We hear the tiny tree speaking.
7: So now I know what I am. I'm a Christmas tree. But a confused little Christmas tree because I don't know why I am here. Why was I chosen from millions of little trees just like me to stand in this room? And although I'm very young, in a few days I will wither away and my green coat will fade and my needles will drop off. Why am I standing here all decorated? What good are decorations if your deeds are not remembered? They hang decorations on heroes, too. Yet heroes like Christmas trees are forgotten, only to be remembered if they're needed to serve another purpose. Beneath my branches gifts are placed. They're wrapped in gay colors and tied with bright ribbons. These are the tokens of friendship, the spirit of Christmas from those who gave from their heart. They gave for the goodness. Shall we stop in here to receive a speech?
6: Oh, here's another package. Who's it from? From your boss.
2: I wonder what it is.
10: Maybe it's the thing. (laughs) I think with all his money, he'd give out with something worthwhile. Is this why I was brought here? Am I serving me purpose?
7: Is this the true meaning and spirit of giving? Don't they know that Christmas is the birthday of Christ, not a holiday for the greedy? Why am I standing here anyway? What is me purpose? What's that? There's somebody on the roof. It's reindeer. Oh, I remember the sound of their little hook. I remember how you used to play around me, branches out in the forest. Oh somebody coming down and kill me.
3: Merry Christmas. Merry Well
9: they're all asleep. <laughs> well I I think I'll just rest for a second. Mm-hmm. My what a beautiful Christmas tree. Thank you. What?
7: I said thank you. You said I was beautiful, and I said thank you.
9: My golly, old Santa Claus's ears are playing tricks on him. I, I could have sworn that that tree spoke.
7: I did, Santa Claus.
9: But why in such a sad way? Christmas trees are supposed to be happy. Why well, can't be happy.
7: I was told by a kind voice that I was to serve a purpose. Well, I can't figure out what it is.
9: Well, haven't you ever
7: been happy? Oh, yes. I was happy back in the forest. I remember how every spring the same birds who flew south for the winter would return and rebuild their homes that the blizzard had destroyed in my branches, and how the wind would blow through me fur and make whispering music, and the birds would join in and sing with it. We were the sounds of the earth, a symphony unwritten. I was happy then, because there at least I knew what my purpose was.
9: Well, you're making music now? No, I'm not. Yes, doesn't it do you good to know that you're bringing happiness? (laughs) You just wait until Christmas morning when you hear the laughter of all the little children. And how proud you'll be when they dance around you. Oh, I wish I could be here to enjoy it with you. You see, I've never seen nor heard the children after I leave their presence. Well, why don't you stay around, Santa Claus? Well, for some reason, I have never been asked. Ah. It seems that after folks get what they want, Santa Claus isn't needed until the next year when they need something else.
7: Then why do you keep coming back, Santa Claus?
9: Because the children need someone to put the spirit of giving into their little hearts without greed. I come back each year hoping to find men living not by man-made laws, but by the Ten Commandments. So, be happy little Christmas tree here. You do have a very wonderful purpose.
7: How can I be happy? They've cut me off at the roots. I'll be dead in a few days without even knowing my purpose for being here.
9: Well, maybe old Santa Claus can help you understand. You know, tonight... I paid a visit to a place and knocked two of my reindeer cold. It was dark, you see, and we ran head on into an iron curtain. I should have known I wasn't wanted when I didn't see one Christmas tree to help light my way. There wasn't one child's stocking to be filled, not one church holding services. And it was a great, vast place, all without spiritual guidance. You mean they don't have churches? Oh, yes. Yes, they have churches. And people are free to attend. But if they do, they can no longer be members of the party. And only members of the party receive ration cards. Oh, yes. Yes, there were churches. But they were not used for worship, little tree. They're used as museums to belittle the true spirit of giving. Now, do you understand your purpose for being here? As long as you and all other little trees like you can stand in a home at Christmas, the world will know that freedom of man is still here and that God's prayer, peace on earth, goodwill towards men is still alive. Yes, Santa Claus, I do see it now. Oh,
7: I feel so much better because now I understand my purpose for being here. Good.
9: Well, I must be on my way. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Santa Claus. Merry for next year and every
7: year. And maybe next year you'll be asked to stay longer than just over the holidays. Merry Christmas, Santa Claus. And now until next week, this is Red Skelton saying thanks for listening and reminding you that you won't know what you're missing if you don't see Norge.
10: Join us again next week for the Red Skelton Show. Skelton has heard in this program through the courtesy of metro golden Mayor Studios. This is a copyrighted feature transcribed from Hollywood.
0: This is the CBS Radio Network. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we wrap up the week with Gunsmoke, followed by The Life of Riley.